0: hello everybody and welcome to screw you the podcast where we pull at a buy on state institutions every two weeks my name is mary Leck. i am the host of this year podcast and i thank god every single day that i never saw that video i also like to read too much into things so buckle up I guess what's most learning to me and a bunch of other people I've seen comment on that video um, is the fact that the conditions under which we live are so dehumanizing that someone is willing to undergo something like that, something like being like a toilet for someone in you know, order to experience less dishumanization where their material conditions are concerned. So I understand that someone in that world might enjoy that but and usually I don't care what people do like in the confines of their own homes as long as they aren't hurting anyone but i am shaming people who enjoy that stuff and i am not sorry for that but anyway the the people who aren't doing that because they enjoy it are willing to sit there and have someone do their doo-doo on them if it means that they would have to go home and starve the world order or in which one group of people accumulate ridiculous amounts of money whilst others live in squalor is so apathetic towards genuine human suffering that it strips people of their humanity in the process of acquiring more and more for a small group of people. And I think this happens in more ways than one. I guess the Dubai view is just kind of an extreme, right? Some people may argue that that's just what you know, influence and stuff and are willing to do in order to maintain that current quality of life. I remember, like, while I was going through the... Like, I didn't actually go into the search itself but like i'd see people's like random offhand comments on my timeline like yeah slay queens just want money that's what they do when they go to dubai and like okay fine right i don't know if that's true and i don't think it really matters in the grand scheme of things but if it is right then what does it say about other qualities of life that someone have um someone wants to do this to maintain their quality of life what does it say about the other ones that um, people are, have no choice but to be subjected to, right? What? Is, what? What? I i making sense, but what does it mean about the alternative if someone wants to maintain this luxurious life by doing that, right? So one of the things that we are taught in school subjects like life science, natural sciences, and life orientation is that we eat, need to eat a balanced diet in order to lead healthy and fulfilling lives, right? You need, to eat. you need to eat carbohydrates so that you have energy, eat protein so that your body can repair itself when you get injured or something, eat fatty food so that you can be insulated from cold weather and eat your fruits and vegetables so that you can function optimally. We are told to stay clear of junk food, drink water, exercise, do not smoke at all, stay away from the drugs and not drink, at least not until you have reached a certain age and even then you should only drink in moderation we are all taught these things by our teachers, so our parents, ideally, right, <laughs> like, okay, man, I don't want to give a commentary on the uh, bad state of South Africa in regards to to alcohol consumption, but, like, I, I I look at it, and I'm like, okay, fine, right, people are having fun, question mark, but I also think, like, you know, there's you know, other generational truck whatever let's just not get into that right now. But we are taught all of these things by our teachers and our parents and yet the moment we exit the classroom, the moment we exit our homes, the world preaches an opposite meaning message. You do not have enough time to follow a balanced diet because you have to leave for work at four o'clock in the morning. You can't buy meat because there has been another price hike. How can you avoid eating junk food when it is the only affordable food at your disposal? How can you drink water when what comes out of your tap is undrinkable? When will you find time to exercise when you spend six hours a day traveling to and from work, have an eight-hour workday and must feed your children the second you get home? And when you have no access to any rehabilitative institutions for all your mental illnesses that you've accumulated because you had a traumatic childhood and have a traumatic present? Are living a life from which you can draw no joy and are essentially a slave to a thankless boss, what other option do you have other than to smoke, abuse drugs, and drink until you are unconscious? And despite people being subjected to these dehumanizing conditions, I mean, if being a human, living a balance and fulfilling life means doing one thing and you can't do that, what would it say for the people who cannot do that, right? I, this... Along with being subject to these dehumanizing conditions, you are under the rulership of an apathetic government and an apathetic state. They, along with the rich and powerful, demand that you stop begging for handouts, but can't create employment. You are told to work harder, to wake up earlier, to make time. People who sit at the, in this lap of opulence that their parents stole from people just like you and gave to them tell you that you are poor because you are lazy. You look at all this wealth that has been accumulated due due to theft, and you get the squalor that you live in due to so-called laziness. And you do what the rich did in order to accumulate that wealth. You steal. When they steal, they have generational wealth. They can get expensive cars, huge houses, multinational corporations, and a life of luxury that is incomprehensible to the common man. Their, 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 Their theft is on a grand scale. They steal human beings, they steal land, and that which is found beneath it. They steal money that was to house people, they steal people's time and zest for life. You steal on a small scale, you steal food, you steal a TV, you steal a car, or you steal a pair of shoes. You steal out of necessity, out of desperation, but the result of your theft is not wealth. It is not cars, or luxury, or housing. The result of your theft is jail time guys okay, that was one long booty intro because it's pretty obvious by now but today i'll be talking about how the law creates crimes and by proxy criminals so today i want to drive home the fact that crime is by and large fabricated right it is only applicable to the poor and in quotation marks powerless i say quotation marks because even if you are poor you are, you are not powerless right i want to give a whole speech on like how collective um, uh, struggles will always overcome the, the the intent of like the rich and powerful but you know guys, that's not what this episode is about <laughs> so today will be as i've said like i feel like i've said this a few times it's a lot of theorizing so it's something i've been putting off for a while because i need to think a lot for this and i didn't want to rely a lot on other people's thoughts um even though i did search for like the bulk of the searching this um, time around was for the main focus point which i'm deriving a lot of my um, uh cre- like thoughts okay <laughs> so from my observation the main the the law's main role um, in criminalizing some people and not others no sorry so from my observation the law's role in the criminalizing of some people and not others has two main purposes at certain spots very confusing let <laughs> me just like the main reason why the law Um, picks and chooses which people are criminals and which are not, is because of two reasons right, firstly it is to continuously subjugate a class of people so it's like longevity in oppression and secondly, it's to maintain an oppressive class there are people who are so good, so clean that they're either incapable of committing crime or be a virtue of their race and or class, the rules that apply to everyone else does not apply to them so it's the maintenance of a so called civilized class so by um, people who would be so good and supreme, so like people like pastors, popes, and such, you know, people who are who are just too good to commit crimes. So basically, if it's not clear, the people to which crimes and criminality and the law of like like criminal law applies is the um, oppressed class, right? And the people who are not who do not get. Um, termed or coined as criminals are the so-called civilized laws and the reason why this is the case is not because one group of people is like more susceptible to committing crimes they are less moral they are less good it's not because of that it's just about maintaining power relations that have existed since the dawn of modernity right and the dawn of modernity is just when the whites finally decided to start colonizing the world basically that's like the dawn of modernity that's when, that's when it basically started around that time and the reason why i'm using these terms right term i'm using that civilized class term is because one of the reasons why they themselves the europe the western europe, europeans justified their colonial conquest the fighters they inflicted upon different peoples is because they were said they said to be spreading civilization but that was just a mask that they used right It was just um what can i say it's like a face a facade that you use in order to actually fulfill your goals, but the actual intent was obviously to go out and get all of sorts, all sorts of like capitalist gains. Um, the main reason why they started to do this, like, let's think firstly with South Africa, and with why Jan van Riebeck set his little resting station in the in Cape Town, it was because he wanted a resting station in between the Netherlands and like um India, where he got where they got their spices from. So the reason why they even came to South Africa and had that port was because of their capitalist intent in India. And then after that, it just became an idea of, hey, we're seeking, let's come here and let's, let's do some, let's wreak havoc. <laughs> so um, even now, you know, this facade of like being, and now I'm using the word civilized in the context that these people are not capable of committing crime. These people are politicians, they are rich businessmen, they are, like I said, they are um, um, religious figures. You know they can't commit crimes according to them and that's just because they are the class who decides um, what constitutes a crime and what does not right they are the ones who are sitting in our courts they're the ones who are creating our laws they're the ones who are making the decisions in our parliaments so above all else the reason why they make so that crimes apply on some people not others is to just make sure that they have a continuous supply of people who can work for them in their businesses, who can um, bend to their will, to their intentions, to their wants. And it's like, um, what can I say? To like to like squash any dissent against their rulership. So it's why, um, let's say some people are in a protest and they do this, this and the third. The people who they see are like in the forefront of it, um, the ones who are most likely to go and be thrown in jail, Right. Because they are threatening their uh, their rulership, in, in, in a sense, right? But they will never do the same to the people whose actions help to maintain their power, okay? So that's just free thinking, right? <laughs> I'm busy writing an essay here, and I feel very sort of... I'm sick, actually, but my nose is a bit blocked. It's like, every morning thing, and I feel just started with this, like, stuff. I feel like... It, okay whatever <laughs> so that's just what that is so usually I start with a lot of extensive historical context um, and I will provide it in brief uh, but today I won't do it in depth mostly because I was lazy <laughs> so um, and in particular I won't start from like the inception of crime so from the pre-colonial days because um, I I feel like I'm going to start off with this idea of crime in post-colonial Southern Africa, um, and just end there. Like I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about the it's it's like idea in like the Union period apartheid, you know, no, because I, I I was lazy. But like, the main reason why I didn't wanna do from the inception of like the idea of crime and criminality is mostly because our understanding of what is and is not a crime has changed so much since Van Riebeek and his folks began daring of terror. For instance, um, witchcraft was a crime in a whole bunch of pre-colonial African societies, but even though witchcraft still happens, you can't really take a person to jail for it. right? I guess you can find another way of punishing such a person, but they won't, at least as far as I know, go to jail for approaching someone. And yes, you had me right when I said that witchcraft still happens. I will not explain myself another reason why i won't begin with pre-colonial period is because i found that the intention behind crimes and the punishment of crimes was much different than it is now so with like a crime of witchcraft it's like a punishment of that would probably be a thing where you're trying to make sure that this person there's a person who's not trying to disrupt the society right like from the ground up not just like disrupting the people who are in power within that society. So, if you're breaching just a normal member of the community, it's still a bad thing within the whole community. Whereas right now, if you're threatening to kill a um, president, it it's like it has more weight than when you're threatening to kill a normal civilian. It's why the th- the, the 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 killing of like a big Public figure is is called an assassination, but the killing of like an civilian mean, is just a, like a murder, right? So now, in my opinion, crimes are created to subjugate one mass of people. It's not just to um, protect the whole society; it's to protect one class of society. That was that was the case in most with emphasis. That was not the case in most pre-colonial African societies, right? And. Along with what I said a bit earlier, I think that is because you do not have to prove that your religion, race, or existence in a particular society was valid if you shared the same religion were the same race as and are born in the same society as the people, place, as everyone else you lived with. Colonizers and the rich, etc. have to continuously prove to both themselves, like maybe not to themselves, but to the people, to the indigenous groups, to the poor, like the people who are in... Could like lower classes be economic, social, whatever class we need them that they are better than them and that their position in society is justified, right? So, yeah, that's that's the reason why I'm not talking about pre colonial South like Southern Africa specifically. Um, so yes, and then an article called Introduction Histories and Legacies of Punishment in Southern Africa proves my point. They say, quote, that settler regimes in southern Africa required specific laws and practices to safeguard the authority, prestige, and economic interest of demographically and psychologically fragile white minorities. Nor was this more evident than in South Africa, home of the continent's largest settler population. They say that um, during um, the early 1900s, Farm and mine laborers along with domestic servants were particularly vulnerable to privately administered abuse and had little legal recourse. Um, I feel like <laughs> this is still the case. <laughs> like that is the um, depressing thing. Um, but I'll get to this. I'll, um, I'll come back to this in just a moment. And then, no, not just a moment, just later on. Then supervisory violence was a routine aspect of underground work as white miners beat their African subordinates to establish racial dominance and boost production. And lastly, the, pr- the prison system was another violent institution that hosted a large number of African men. The majority of convictions were for statutory offences, predominantly past and liquor violations. The weth had a particularly rigorous system of persecution that cycled increasing number of African men through the prison. From the late 1930s to the nineteen fifty. Um, it is estimated that as many as 10% of male African residents on the run had first-hand experience of a prison cell. So as you can see here, in a moment where um, the shifts to power are so precarious, right, the moment in which just after the Union period came to an end and um, the apartheid government came into power, there was this, um, this like, extreme violence towards these people just to, like, because now you had to establish a fear in people. From the beginning. So that later on that fear can withstand the test of time. And withstand the shift in power relations. Because all along it was just the crown from Britain. Controlling what's going on in South Africa. By means of sending delegates. Like British delegates to decide what's going on in South Africa itself. But like important points that I want you to take note of right now. Is like what I said about farm and mine laborers. And domestic servants still being. Um, vulnerable to privately abusive abuse and also I want to talk about type supervi- supervi- yeah, supervisory violence and how it's a routine aspect of even now like in the farms and the mines just a way of establishing racial dominance and boosting production. I feel like there's no I feel like there's no instance where it is more clear that the rich and powerful cannot commit crimes. And by that I hope you understand what I'm saying, like they can commit crimes, but like not with regards to actual getting punished for it <laughs> than when they have been directly implicated in a crime. The government, that is, politicians, the courts and lawmaking bodies and officials will do absolutely everything in their power to make sure that these people are not punished for their flagrant crimes. The most recent and well known example of this, in my opinion, is the case of Jeffrey Epstein. I don't want to keep saying his name <laughs> because many media outlets are owned by people who visited his island and they'll probably suppress anything that makes mention of that man <laughs> and could potentially implicate them. So I'll just call him John Smith, a quintessential white man name, right? I don't think I have to list his crime. I feel like a lot of people have a general understanding of all the stuff he has done. But to kind of simplify it though he allegedly i'm saying allegedly because the court dismissed all charges against him after he allegedly um did a self a self unaliving and i'll get to that bit a bit later he allegedly trafficked a bunch of young women and girls and procured them for prostitution on his island in the virgin islands in the caribbean allegedly right i won't go into greater detail on all of that stuff so if you don't know about everything he has done along with um some other high stakes people who have been um associated with him and have visited islands his islands meantime i want to know more than just google the real name guys there's a lot going on there you will not struggle to find out what it is um but yeah my discussion of john smith i will um talk about those crimes but they will not be my main focus right because today, I just want to illustrate how he managed to allegedly commit multiple crimes from the early 80s until he died, which are not within the scope of that particularly, like the one that the media knows very, very well. Remember, everything I'm saying is alleged. I don't want to go to jail. Um, so, like I mentioned a bit, I, why is this bed, because you know this thing called the Hadida, right? This bed, I keep telling every single person I meet this story, whatever. I I hear that bed screaming. But this bed, I was once, like, riding my bike around the yard at home, right? And there's this, like, I get, we have, like, a carport thing. So the carport is there, and there's, like, this area with sand and stuff. I was busy riding my bicycle. And then I didn't, I wasn't going, but but the thing is, as well, the, like, the carport thing and the part with the cement meets the sand. It's, like, on the corner of the yard, so, like, the corner of the house, so I have to turn around very sharply. And, like, one time, I, was, I wasn't driving fast, fast enough, um, so I ended up falling, and that bed, like I hurt myself so badly, and that bed, that exact moment it came, and I was like, ha, 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 and I was like it's laughing at me, <laughs> it was such a traumatizing experience, I hate them, I hate them so much, so yeah, I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like people tend to focus exclusively on Smith's alleged like sex crimes, but I want to shed a light on some things that he does, that he has done, which are neither considered a crime, nor are the main focus of scrutiny when people are talking about old Johnny boy, right? I want to start off with loan sharks. <laughs> There's a loan shark in probably every single township and rural area in this country. Loan sharks are portrayed as demonic forces in the media. So most of the time it's justified, right? But I'm, I'm not going to like explore that in greater detail in this specific discussion because like, you know, my point is, yeah. It's mostly justified, uh, but they're like that portrayal in the media is like, like it's it's you know how they're portrayed in the media constantly. Being non honcho is usually illegal, so um I don't I don't <laughs> I couldn't find an actual piece of legislation that didn't says this, but I did find like secondary sources that say this. So I'm saying usually like that's what they said in the secondary sources, um. I don't want to say whatever. So, obviously, we cannot deny how the awful stuff that loan sharks will do in order to get their money back. No can we deny the fact that their interest rates are absolutely ridiculous. However, loan sharks take on a whole new meaning when those running them aren't your run of the mill township thug. When the loan shark is actually a big corporation run by a respectable, I have no choice but to laugh, <laughs> you rich man, then it is not illegal. <sighs> Which brings me to my point. Before I say anything else, though, I just wanted to admit with the deepest level of shame possible that I got this information from Wikipedia. Guys, guys, please stop throwing tomatoes at me. (laughs) The article article that actually talks about this is behind the paywall, right? So, um, I couldn't access it because I have to pay money. I, said, I don't have money. If we had the paywall. Stop throwing to me. Don't put the
1: tomato down.
0: To quote Wikipedia. I said, put the tomato down. To quote Wikipedia. <laughs> Smith was the president of the company Liquid Funding Ltd. Between 2000 and 2007. The company was an early pioneer in expanding the kind of debt that could be accepted on repurchase or the repo market, which involves a lender giving money to a borrower in exchange for securities that the borrower then agrees to pay back at an agreed upon later time and price. The innovation of liquid funding and other early companies was that instead of having stocks and bonds as the underlying securities, it had commercial mortgages and investment grade residential mortgages bundled into complex securities as the underlying security. Liquid funding was initially 40% owned by BS stands through the help of Credit Rating Agency, Standard & Post, Fitch Ratings, and Moody Investor Services. Speaking of Moody's Investor Services, I find them very suspect. Like, this... Like, I want to do a deep dive into Moody's because I've always found it very interesting that they are the only, like, routing thing, rating thing that's like, ha- hasn't... I you always declare South Africa as junk status, but they still... Are like invested in like what South Africa is doing, which I find very fascinating and I don't, whatever. But the new bundled securities were able to create for banks companies so that they got they got a cold created AAA rating. The implosion of such complex securities because of their in- inaccurate ratings led to the collapse of bear stands in March 2008 and set in motion the financial crisis of two thousand eight two and 2008 and the subsequent Great Recession. If yeah if liquid funding were left holding large amount of such securities are collateral it could have lost large amounts of money so again like moody i find them very suspect like there's just something about them that you know whatever that makes me uncomfortable so now if you're anything like me then all of that sounded like gibberish so i'll have my boyfriend that guy who knows a lot about finances explain what is going on side note side note he isn't actually the guy who knows everything about finances he knows just a lot of stuff about it he knows more than more, more than me so i'm letting him speak because um even if i were to try searching what it means i would not be able to understand it. so yeah Anyways, go ahead listen to the voice
1: okay epstein was the president of a loan shark right so what i understand is that he's saying uh the the business in the first sentences i'm going to tell you in peace peace because i don't like i'm still reading as a good one right uh then okay it says i seen as the president of liquid funding which means actual money uh that's liquid money and then uh, he he resulted in the type of debt that expanded into think this is too small into uh, things you can repurchase or in the repo market. Repo market is a reposition repossession market by my understanding, right? And then because that is the possibility, that means he took something that could be like let's say I take your chair, give you mine, and then if you if you if you if you can pay it back, you come back and pay back the, the the thing back. Or I just put it in an auction, like in the repossession market, right? So that's one. I'll come back from part two. Stay tuned. This is a TikTok. Yes, I am right. It even said the, the explanation on the sentence below that, right? So they take securities, meaning I could be like, oh, I like your house, man. I'll give 500,000 as a loan, you know, because... Loan sharks. Then he 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 has the house to his name. And then at, let's say like later upon time, which is like a year, you come back and you're like, oh, here's your five hundred thousand, not four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand because interest. And then I say, oh man, take back your house. You repurchased it from me, or I'm auctioning this house. Five hundred great ones. Two thousand. Thank you. Thank you. You get what I'm saying, yeah. Thank you. Dango. Yes, it's basically loan shark tactics. They don't use bonds and um, mortgages, like because of your insurance there, right? You needed something secure, like, you know, let's say a house with part of a mortgage on the house, you know, uh, for residential or your, your business or complex, or ever you you worked as or you had in your name, your cars. Because also one of the things. Typical loan shark vibes, basically. Okay, the next sentence, which is the next paragraph, starts off by saying 40% is owned by who, who, and Moody's. Right, these Moody's, as you know, is an investment firm. They invest in countries and stuff like that, of big things, big companies, things they believe in, basically. All right, so uh, these people got a gold, which is an award, yeah, so that, you know, it's a reputable thing, like, reputation, you know? Yeah, which means we have this backing us, why don't you trust us, type of vibes. I I don't understand what implosion means, but I'm guessing it means because of the excess. I don't know, like interest entries of uh, complex securities, and then followed complex securities, which are now like, oh, my money's tied up into you know, gold and stocks, Nasdaq, and you know, sophisticated stuff. I don't think you'd understand this. I was gonna like Google what implosion means, but you're reading this anyway. You're listening to this anyway, so I'm not gonna do that. Like, right. so you know, and so and so so happens, and if let's say Nasdaq get crashed because of the Great Recession, Nasdaq crashed, and. All these things crashed and as they crashed they would have lost a lot more money that's what i'm understanding right i could be a bit off a bit but like that's what i understand
0: but yeah basically here you can see that whereas the law villainizes small loan sharks in most cases rightfully so it allows a big powerful man to do essentially the same thing unscathed as a matter of fact, it finds ways of giving his actions all sorts of legitimacy, it, we have these moody investing services, and all these other big, you know, reputable companies who are backing him up, to give his, um, his, his brand of loan sharking validity, and, 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 there's a word I'm looking for in my head, but I can't think of it, like, to give it legitimacy, yeah, like, you know so what is used for the subjugation of one mass of people is used to help another maintain and increase their wealth power and influence right so another thing that is important as a side note is the fact that even though um these loan sharks in like townships are villainized there's no attempt to find equitable like good ways of like um ensuring financial security for poor people so if they really hate loan sharks why aren't they okay like let's say the bank now why aren't they making it more easy accessible and safer and whatnot not' people able to get loans from banks right you see here that like they benefit in a roundabout way from people like okay maybe not but, like okay wait the 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 loan shark the presence of loan sharks it's like a thing of you either do this you have this loan shark who's going to possibly kill you if you don't pay back their interest. So you come to us, the safe bank here, where instead of getting killed, literally, you'll just be killed financially, you'll be crippled, we'll take your house, we'll take your car if you don't pay us back. So, um, the, 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 the legitimacy here with a bank, for instance, is that instead of like taking your life directly, they just find other means of acquiring wealth if you don't pay them back, for, example, for instance so um yeah that's just like a way of like like you look at that like even in like a bank versus loan chart instance the one is clearly a villain but like when you take away a person's house that car everything that they have to their name you're also leaving them in a financial precarious position though at least though, uh, <laughs> okay this is kind of very um thing to say but at least like when yo eh, no, hello, hello stage two twer- has started behind Okay, whatever. When you take a person's life, at least they're dead, (laughs) like they don't have to see any financial ramifications, what happens afterwards. But when you take away their house, their car, everything they have, now they have to live in this extreme poverty. So just to put it into perspective, but like like my main point is what I was saying here is that um, whereas one is clearly a bad guy, the other one is like, no, he's backed by Moody, he's a great cool thing that's going on here <laughs> and also with the bank we can look really at the thing oh my god it's just a bank it's it's like the big thing with all the gold it's making our money it's great there's nothing wrong with the fact that it owns acres upon acres of land which it will never use there's nothing wrong with the fact that it takes houses that destroys people's houses when they've built houses on like um land that is owned by the bank but they had no idea that it was owned by the bank i, I don't know if you guys saw that other video where like there was a family that built a whole house Right, and they thought they bought it. Right, you know these these who tell people that yeah I own this land, then everyone buys a piece of the land, can't come to find out that it's owned by a bank. So the bank destroys the people's house, and it's like that always like stabs me in the heart because these people are like good faith actors. They had no idea that this house belonged to the bank and not the person who claimed to have sold it to them, and like it annoys me because the law is supposed to protect all these good faith actors. But not here, not now, not like when it's them versus a bank, a state institution, you know a very big component of a capitalist state. It like it it there's just something again so dehumanizing, so like painful about watching a person's house get demolished and watching these people just stand there completely helpless. It literally is like God wrenching for a lack of a better word and the worst part is like the bank won't do anything with that land like they're just demolishing it because they can like they're not gonna do anything else with the land right it's just gonna sit there but now a person's house is gone so much money invest- and you guys know how expensive it is to build a house I know you do but like it's so expensive to build a house and now all that money you invested into a home is what you're going to be living in it's gone whereas now this one this bank which has private property which will never use just hasn't it. It's, it's just yeah. I am I'm quoting from Wikipedia again about button guys cat you know how hard tomatoes are <laughs> but yeah, because the article that right which is clearly a gold mine is referenced again and it is still behind a paywall still behind the paywall throw those tomatoes at the paywall not me so in July the FBI began its own investigation of Smith it was nicknamed Operation Libyan it resulted in a five in the fifty-three-page indictment in June two thousand and seven. Alexander Acosta, then the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida, agreed to a plea deal, which Ellen D- Dershowitz helped to negotiate, to grant immunity from all federal criminal charges to Smith, along with four named co-conspirators and any unnamed potential co-conspirators. According to the Miami Herald. The non-prosecution agreement essentially set down an ongoing FBI probe into whether there were more victims and other powerful people who took part in Smith's sex crimes. At the time, this halted the investigation and sealed the indictment. The Miami Herald said Acosta agreed, despite a federal law, to the contrary, that the deal would be kept from the victims. A federal judge later found that the prosecutor had violated the victim's rights in that they had concealed the agreement from the victim's and instead urged them to have patience. According to an internal review conducted by the Department of Justice's Office of Professional Responsibility, which was released in November 2020, Acosta showed poor judgment in granting Smith a non prosecution agreement and putting to not- notify Smith's alleged um, victims about this agreement. Now I'm quoting from the Daily Beast. Um, in quotation marks, is the Smith case going to cause a problem for a confirmation hearing? Acosta had asked. Acosta had explained breezily, apparently, that back in the day, he just, he'd had one, just one meeting on the Smith case. He'd cut the non-prosecution deal with one of Smith's attorneys because he had been told to back off that Smith was above his pay grade. I was told Smith belonged to intelligence and to just leave it alone, he told his interviewers in the Trump transition who evidently thought that that was a sufficient answer and went ahead and hired Acosta. So I'm recording this after I've done recording the episode because I just had a new idea. Um, So I was thinking about that thing with FBI being able to literally dismantle um, like a government and install a puppet regime. And it made me think about how when a person who's a normal person tries to disrupt the state to like, what is the word? who disrupts the state, who threatens the state, it is now called treason, right? When you're trying to um, overthrow a government, it's treason. When you're trying to disrespect the court, it's contempt of the court. So when it's a normal person now, it's treason or contempt of the court. When the FBI is doing, it's just a special mission. It's just going out on official business. So this is how you see that now because they've been allocated this power by the state they're able to go ahead and do something without any repercussions for their actions whilst if you as a normal person try doing the same thing, you will be sentenced to jail you will have a crime a punishment set out specifically for you because you do not, you do not possess that level of power, that level of authority that level of influence sometimes sometimes as some sorry, sometimes as I'm reading this script now I genuinely feel like you're that sort of rising like fire in your gut as you're reading words and i hope i wonder if that translates to you guys and you're like eh, as i'm saying things like eh, eh, eh. i'm wondering if like the way i'm saying it is translating the message the same way that i'm intending <laughs> so guys you know this thing of consent but yeah so i guess like here the main area of focus right is with the power that intelligence forces has and how this power is unchecked and really out of control and day. I want to start to finish typing my scripts like days before i have to do an episode because i really want to say much much more about this but i don't have the time or the mental bandwidth to do that right again i am recording on the day which i'm releasing this episode so you can you can see (laughs) but like it's just based on my current bandwidth what i can say about with confidence with all the confidence in this world again in an attempt that is that in an attempt to maintain power of the ruling class And to also ensure that the state can protect itself, certain cases do not have the same sort of trial as those of people who are within the court's pay grade. It makes you think a lot about how many known criminals run off scot-free because they're above the pay grade of different judges. So, like, again, um, why is it that even if, let's say, Smith was an intelligent officer, which he claims to be at the time, that was the point where he claimed he was, um, because he had a fake ID, right, that said he was from Saudi Arabia and he had a different name, Mm, but my thing is even if he was an intelligent officer why is it that they are somehow exempted from committing crime so I feel like um the amount like the cia and the FBI, are like very much it's it's like the same as the America's propaganda machine for their military forces right they portray them as such noble such good guys but they are involved in such so much disgusting stuff right. <laughs> like, the, the American, like, I don't if you still have a positive, um, uh, perspective when it comes to the American military forces, I don't know what to do or say to you, guys, like, that military is a demonic force, right, but in most cases, like, military in general is a demonic force, but, like, particularly that country's one, and the CIA has been involved in completely destroying different countries' political, um, makeup in, in installing, Puppet regimes controlled by America in order to make sure that America's material interests in and by the American mean obviously the ruling class, their material interests in the countries are maintained. So, like let's say for instance, a country wants to install a socialism, they'll come in and they completely destroy that. Right? They'll create political unrest, then they'll install a capitalist, a nice capitalist, um, puppet regime, who make sure that America can still derive profit from the goings on in this country. You know, like they do that frequently guys so many times so <laughs> there are many cases but i didn't i don't like i know this but i didn't like i don't have this <laughs> i don't have the sources to direct you guys to so you can just google it but i promise you i will actually make an episode on this um above the law a closer look at the seer shenanigans <laughs> so i'll do that actually wait like, i'll type that down that sounds like a nice episode but yeah so my point is just you, because you don't have any money, you will be within the court's pay grade, and as such, you will, in quotation marks, full the face the full brunt of the law, right? Um, whereas people who can float above it don't even have to face any repercussions for their actions, at all, right? So now I want I want to talk about tax evasion. So this information is also behind a paywall, and like this is the theme of today's episode: paywall after paywall after paywall. So I guess talking about the criminality of the law is above my pay grade. (laughs) Anyway, so as was said in Wikipedia, but why are you guys throwing with me tomato sauce now? But at least tomato sauce is soft. Hey, are you you guys trying to say that I am saucy? (laughs) Okay, I think it's best for you to continue throwing me. Had <laughs> in 1996, Smith changed the name of his firm to Financial Trust Company and for tax advantages based it on the island of St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. By relocating to the U.S. Virgin Islands, Smith was able to reduce federal income taxes by 90%. The U.S. Virgin Islands acted as an offshore tax haven, while at the same time offering the advantages of being part of the United States of America's banking system. Is it not fun? One thing that I noticed and found particularly interesting is the act that some of these his accomplishment accomplices accomplices and him as well were attempting were taking in an attempt to hide um, some of the incriminating evidence. Obviously, I can't say this with all the confidence in the world, but this seems very likely. Um, I don't want to say this because again, the case has been dismissed, so it is likely that even his accomplice accomplices were involved in hiding evidence so in the process of finding facts and everything for a case right um you should the tampering with and hiding evidence is a criminal offense but this happened in the whole smith saga um it is alleged according to that wikipedia (laughs) according to that wikipedia that one of his um, assistants tried to hide some piece of evidence. So, um, I guess, uh, so evidence hiding and tampering with was alleged on both Smith's accomplices and on the part of some branches of the US government, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. So, um, I don't want to touch that. (laughs) I I don't want to touch that. And another thing that I want to add on with, like, tax evasion. So, I'm here coming, like, revisionist. Is the what? I don't know if revisionist has a good connotation or not. But, like, I'm here to revise my stuff now after I've thought a bit more. So, when a normal civilian evades taxes, what happens to them? When, if your parent doesn't pay taxes for their, you know, that income tax and everything, what will happen to them? Your parent you, if you are working and you don't pay taxes, you will be blacklisted. This means you won't be able to buy a house, you won't be able to take out a car, um, you won't be able to take out loans, anything that has to be done on credit, you won't be able to do it because you've been blacklisted, because you evaded tax. You're, not, right? you're a normal person, you're working as a teacher, you're working as like a nurse, just like a normal South African who's working for like their labor, but you're selling your labor power to a, a boss or the government you will be blacklisted but when mr smith evades taxes when he pays he managed to pay like to 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 avoid paying 90 percent of the taxes he's supposed to every time there's a notification when i'm recording the whole time no one knows me but the moment i'm time for me to record an episode i'm famous but anyways let me you know what the problem is i just don't switch on the news let me the moment when mr smith evades 90 percent of the taxes as a Billionaire, then it's fine. Do you see? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, I, is it is the connections doing? Cause like me, yeah, I'm arriving here cause like I wanted to make sure that the connections are more clear, and that like it's very obvious what message I'm trying to just, just put, put across. Cause I feel like this episode was a bit chaotic in a way. <sighs> I'm sorry about that, but like I hope that the connections, are there. <laughs> like, and that I'm making, I'm clear, like I'm saying everything simplistically so yes yeah just like just you know you're seeing the things I obviously let me stop underestimating your guys's intelligence you are seeing the connections i know it now let us look at um let's talk about the treatment that mr smith had after he had been arrested for a few of his charges so i'm quoting from a Wikipedia article again i no longer have any more shame guys it's fine so on june to quote. direct on June 30, 2008, why do Americans do that? I'm like, wait till the sun me. This thing of month, date, year is a very freaking annoying because, like, first of all, it confuses you because sometimes the date and the month you can see plausibly that it's like making sense, but then it's like you can't figure out what the date actually is and it's so annoying because, like, now let's say we're using some American, um, like software. So I have to look at this date and be like, are you talking about the 6th of August or are you talking about the 8th of June? Like, and you sit there and you're starting to do start. Now it's like, it's like, I feel like I've been conditioned and brainwashed because even when I'm looking at something you're normal from South Africa, I'm like, are you talking about the 8th of June or the 6th of August? Which one is it? <gasps> oh gosh. But, because like, I hate, I hate this date system. It makes literally no sense at all there's no logic behind it right americans when you ask when you say that they're like yeah it's say it's, it's it takes less time to say g- g- less time less time <sighs> okay but anyways on the 30th of june 2008 after Smith pleaded guilty to um a state charge one of two of procuring for persecution a girl a girl below 18 he was sentenced to 18 months in prison while most convicted sex offenders and flarers are sent to state prison, Smith was instead housed in a private wing of the Palm Beach County Stockade and according to the Sheriff's Office was after three and a half months allowed to leave the jail on work release for up to twelve hours a day, six days a week. This contravenes the sheriff's own police policies requiring a maximum remaining sentence of ten months and making sex offenders ineligible for the privilege. He was allowed to come and go outside of specified release hours. Smith's cell door was left unlocked and he had access to the attorney room where a television was installed for him before he was moved to the stockade's previously unstarved infirmary. He worked at the office of a foundation he created shortly before reporting to jail. He dissolved it after he had served the time. The sheriff's office received $228,000 from Smith's non to pay for the cost of extra services being provided to him during his work release. His office was monitored by permanent duty deputies, whose overtime was paid by Smith. They were required to wear suits and checked-in welcome guests at the front desk. Later, the sheriff's office said these guest logs were destroyed by the department's records retention rules, although inexplicably, the stockade visitor's logs were not. He was allowed to use his own driver to drive him between jail and his office and other appointments. Smith served almost 13 months before being released on the 22nd of July 2008 for a year of probation on house arrest until August 2010. While on probation, he was allowed numerous trips on his corporate jet to his residences in Manhattan and the U.S. Virgin Islands. He was allowed long shopping trips and to walk around Palm Bridge Beach for exercise. After a contested hearing in January 2011 and an appeal, he stayed registered in New York State as a level 3 high risk of repeat offense sex offender, a a lifelong designation. At that hearing, the Manhattan District Attorney argued unsuccessfully that the level should be reduced to a low-risk level 1 and was chided by the judge. Despite opposition from Smith's lawyer that he has a main house in the U.S. Virgin Islands, the Dutch confirmed he personally must check in with the New York Police Department every 90 days. Through Smith, I mean, though Smith had been a level 3 registered sex offender in New York since 2010, the New York Police Department never enforced the 90-day regulation, though non-compliance is a felony. Again, as another side note, I don't understand why Americans must call things felonies just call it a crime like the rest of the world. Like they just love being special on weird things, those ones. But like, and I don't, I won't even Google what felony means because I know enough about America. I don't want to know more. I'm, yeah. So like this here, this quote, this very long quote, I feel like it makes it so abundantly clear how punishment is not even uh, enforced the same way for different people. Imagine if when today you with yourself here, sitting here, you are arrested for doing something you think you would be allowed to live in a luxurious house and have 12 hours off from jail <laughs> to do as you please would you be allowed to take walks along palm beach for exercise would you be would your with your deputies be wearing suits would you be getting guests at the front desk like would this be it would you be allowed to fly around on your corporate jet to your house during your jail time would you if you did not come in and check in at the department of police. As is expected of you. And you did not. Would you be let off scot-free? Right? It's like just all of these things. I feel like it should be just like so obvious. Like how differently it's like criminality is applied. Because like just I'm trying to comprehend an instance. where a person is like considered like such a dangerous offender this and like what it's for him it's basically a holiday right because he's allowed to take flights to you as virgin islands what <sighs> anyways me I'm sick and tired of talking about Smith <laughs> there is still so much to be said guys right so much the amount of that he has done the amount of powerful people implicated in this the extent to which various state apparatus have been exhausted in order to protect not only Smith himself, but there are other powerful people involved in his whole debacle. It is absolutely incredible. It is such a clear um, um, depiction of the length to which these people will go to protect themselves and their own interests. But, you know, like, there's a lot going on, right? And, like, there's conspiracy theories, I, 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 me, personally, I believe this, this and the third, I, but, it's just, like, it's just so exhausting, <laughs> but, yeah, you know what is more exhausting, the stuff that normal people have to go through, so, we're gonna talk about what happens on the other side, right, and the people that the state, um, um, abuses with uncharted ease the people who are within the pay grade of all the courts let us talk about them on the 6th on the 6th of December 2021 the vanguard reported that a man his name is thank god um, paul was sentenced to 6 months in jail for stealing food he was accused of breaking entering and stealing to quote directly from the vanguard police prosecutor inspector onaduri informed the court that paul broke and entered into the shop of sola Adenyanju on december 5 2002 at alaro area moda ife with intent to commit a felony he said that the convict stole one rubber of rice of dried rice at the cost of 1000 naira two biggie cola valued at um, 300 naira two seven up drinks valued at 400 naira one spaghetti Not like one single spaghetti packet, a value of four hundred naira and five magic soaps at five hundred naira. Glory added that the offense contributes section three hundred nineteen and four hundred nineteen of the four hundred thirteen of the criminal code laws of OSHU, two thousand and two. Paul pleaded guilty to the charges preferred against him and pleaded for mercy, for leniency. From my understanding, this was reported on the sixth of August, I mean of December two thousand and two. The crime was committed on the fifth of December two thousand one. Why am I saying two thousand two? The sixth of December two thousand and twenty one, and the crime was committed on the fifth of December twenty twenty one. So it took the law one day, one day to arrest this man for stealing food. I just, I will. It will never not. It will never not. It will never not be, just infuriating (laughs) to me when I hear this. Right, I feel like I use this example so often because it's always on my mind and it's always just like it's incomprehensible. It's comprehensible obviously, but like when you really think about it and you're like it took one day for this person to get arrested, if like the facts are genuinely correct, right? One day for them to decide that he should go into jail for six months for stealing food. What? What will he get to drive around the corporate jet? Take days off from Jago. I. I. Yeah. And now I want to go back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. We we're also talking about how, like, farm and mine laborers, along with domestic servants, were typically vulnerable to privately administered abuse and had little legal recourse during apartheid, as well as how supervisory violence was a routine aspect of underground work as white miners beat their African subordinates to establish racial dominance and boost production. This still happens, right? That was my main argument. As a matter of fact, it now has spread beyond the white people only. It now happens um, amongst the blossoming bourgeoisie black class, right? There are constant reports of black bosses abusing their black domestic workers. I remember just the other month on Twitter, like every every, every other month, there's a report of how some black madam is like mistreating, ill-treating their a domestic worker, I remember that other time it was things like, okay, guys, do I want to go into the graphics? If you want to hear the graphics, like skip by around two minutes, yes, like skip by two minutes. So, um, this woman allegedly would leave, like, the, there were different reports of some women would like leave their literal blood soaked pads on the ground, expecting the domestic worker to pick them up. Domestic workers. Like they give them one dry piece of bread to eat for the whole day, and they're like, "You don't eat anything else in my house." If you you are paid, um, you are paid for, like you're not expected to eat next to the people themselves. You have to eat at a different corner, right? You your time, You're, you're not. You don't have a set time for working. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you're not paid on an hourly basis. You're paid just for the overall date of time that you worked. And then, um, if you work beyond that, that's fine. It's just part of the work. It doesn't matter to the people, like, who you're working for. And another thing, like, this particular case that was trending on Twitter was that the Madam. <laughs> oh, Tang. <laughs> I'm sorry about that the madam was like she the woman the domestic worker and was supposed to be paid a thousand rand but this woman this madam person she said 1000 rand but you once ate the sweets that I gave you so minus 20 rand you once ate bread from my house minus another 20 rand you once bathed I don't know if it was about or use to the toilet minus another 20 rand so like she was all these extra costs cost like she once said that like one time when it was raining, my husband took you to the um, bus station minus another 50 rand. He just sat there subtracting all these costs for miscellaneous stuff until the only the amount that this domestic worker was getting paid for the whole month of work was like 500 rand. That is ridiculously below minimum wage, right? And like it just puts to the fore in my mind how in the, the the level of precarity. which domestic workers live in this country it's absolutely mind-boggling right i googled i remember after i read about that on twitter i was like do they have a union (laughs) are they unionized and allegedly they do like allegedly there's a union but i don't know if it actually is work or if it's just a front. and like and like another thing is like how do you even report this it is so much of hearsay, right how do you report that you're being mistreated and have people actually believe you when you're cleaning the house of a um, little tender premier tycoon? Who will believe you? right? Already women don't get believed when they're reporting all sorts of abuse. But immediately, especially against a really powerful person, how do you even do anything from there? Right? And it's just, it was so, it's so sobering. It's so, like, there's this thing where people are like, this person who I'm working for is black, so they will treat me better. And the sad thing is that they won't, <laughs> just because you have a shared race. Um, because the, the 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 moment that the people have this level of power, it's like they want to just exercise it um, upon other people. Like, okay, maybe not maybe not everyone, but I feel like even not everyone, the people who don't abuse their power once they reach new class are the exception rather than the rule. So I want to also talk about how there's always a story about a white farmer, farm owner who has killed a black farm worker or just a black person living near the um, living there the farm. Um, in this way, the supervisory violence is maintained. On the side of the new black bourgeoisie, it is to a certain like to assert dominance over a poor working class black person. And on the side of the white man, it is twofold. It is both about um, class dominance and it's also about racial dominance But my main thing is that even in this way like first of all this per these people who are working in these Sand the people who are the new blossoming bourgeoisie They are able to just circumvent literal minimum wage <laughs> by saying claiming that like You are getting you you have to pay money for like the five sweets that they gave you what? And, like, it's, it's this, it's this really, like, another example that I can think of is, let's say, let's use the example of it, like, you know, I don't know if you remember, guys, like, the Fees Must Fall movement. Like, um, I was watching the documentary, I, I watched it for the first time yesterday, and, like, I was so, like, in shock right, because, like, I remember the way I viewed it when I was a kid, because when Christmas was happening, I was, what, 13, 56, 14, 56, like, around that age, so, like, I was a very different person back then, obviously, so, but to watch it now, as a person, as a person I am now, you know, and with the understanding I have now, right, it's so much different, and I, I was so fascinated by the fact that so many people, okay, not fascinated, like, so many people were arrested for protesting during this time. I think um, the estimates are like above, like just above six hundred people were arrested for this, and this was done with people who were not even the people were not even granted bail. So many of them were like denied bail, and when you are denying a person bail, there's a bunch of factors that have to be taken into account. It's like are you a flight risk? Um, are you likely to commit the same crime again? Um, just to name two examples. When you have students, <laughs> where will they escape to Do they have the means to escape? No, they don't. Where will they go? <laughs> you can only find them in so many different And even if they're trying to escape, you'll know exactly where they're going. After you have just been arrested for like this protest, I don't know how many people would go out and protest again. I'm sure there are people, but I feel like most people would have been so shaken by that that they just like, lay low for a while, at least after their trial has been completed and done with right whereas let's look at example of a um that guy who was like major one what is his name pastor what is that guy prophet apostle that other pastor from malawi that one he was granted bail this man has the means <laughs> to escape but he was granted bail and what did he do the moment he was granted bail he fled back to malawi and he didn't throw, but so by like it sneaking into the president of malawi's private plate so do you see that example as well where this person has been able to escape punishment both because he's extremely rich and because he is a pastor and because of the state apparatus why would they grant him bail you understand so it's just like it's so interesting to watch this dichotomy Of like how crimes exist for some people and not others right how the crime of um, taking money from people at exorbitant prices applies to loan sharks and loan sharks obviously aren't like like, working class they are like frustrators but it applies to them but it doesn't apply to um, Mr. Smith and his brand of loan sharking and how Immediately, the wheels of justice will turn when a person steals food, and he's sent to jail for six months instantly. Whilst Smith gets to take trips to his Manhattan and U.S. Virgin Islands homes, while he's supposed to be in jail, and he doesn't even have to go and check in and do the standard procedure which other people follow. He doesn't have to do that. And how these like new black rich people and this still rich white people get to abuse poor working class black people with no repercussions. Right? It's, it's like you see this happen manifold and you see that crimes are created for subjugation. Not for the administration of justice, not to maintain order in society. It's to subjugate one group of people and that their people is why and also like another thing that i was thinking of just now like when you are stealing that example i used in the first place where like the one group of people stole land people you know resources but whenever you're stealing a food and you get sent to jail it's like this thing where like when your actions threaten their power their authority they will act with the full force of every single institution at their disposal to make sure that you and anyone else who might have been inspired by your actions do not try that ever again. The full fight, what is it, the full flight, the full force of the law comes into force whenever the status quo is questioned, right? And it does not, it does not, whenever, whoever's touching it does not see any differences in race as long as you are threatening the status quo it will the will face the full might of the law because the law as it currently is is owned by the people whose dictatorship is currently in place and like the dictatorship that we're currently living under is the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie I feel like I've been using this word so much because I've just learned about it um, but like the bourgeoisie is just like people who own the wealth like who own companies who have in a, unimaginable, wealth, unimaginable, wealth. sorry, who are in power, basically, that's just, you know. it's not, like, not, being in, in position of power does not necessarily mean that you are the butchers, just, like, currently, that's what they are, right, now. what a current understand them, that. and that's why, um, stealing, stealing from a capitalist is viewed as a more drastic crime than being the capitalist stealing from no, normal civilians, so, yeah. Mm. So yeah, that marks the end of today's episode. They can never not be a verpa. every day give one. Hey. Anyways, that marks the end of today's episode. And it also marks the end of the last episode for this season of Screw You. We are, we are 20 episodes strong. And it's gonna be I'm gonna have a hiatus for poof, I forgot the date. <laughs> Let me just check. So I can actually say the right words um oh wait give me a moment yeah i'll be back on the 26th of june with season two of screw you we're gonna have so much fun ne- while, while i'm away i'm gonna be recording episodes in bulk to try and like have better researched podcast episodes just to make sure that like i'm less stressed out overall and also just in the hopes that maybe, maybe maybe i might be able to upload um every week or at least have one bonus episode per month maybe big fight maybe but but it's not a movie that we're also gonna have some new cover art the cover art is fabulous i love it very much i'm not done with it i keep tweaking it to kind of make it more like pretty and because right now it looks very naked and i want to give it like some flesh and body and you know make it look nice <laughs> so that's it for me until i see you guys on the 26th of june um stay safe stay fabulous and make sure Give the state institution a big, bad, juicy poop. <laughs> Bye.